Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, here we are again. Another show, another week. Thank you so much for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week is Michelle Sims. I am so thrilled I got to talk and interact with her. It had been far too long. She is an actress on the stage and the screen, both large and small, as well as being a comedian and an improviser. She's done some TV work. We didn't even get to talk about uh, her film role that uh, brought her some attention. Uh, Her brief cameo as the drunk Amish girl in the movie Sex Drive. That was a lower budget, I think it was a semi-independent, sort of a teen uh, sex comedy, you know, driving somewhere to to get laid. And I know Seth Green was, I think he was a producer and he played a role in it. But yeah, Michelle has a a very memorable scene. I will see if I can find it uh, isolated and post it on uh, on the webpage for this episode. But um, Michelle used to live in Orlando. She's now uh, a Los Angeles resident out in the Hollywood, and she's continued acting and uh, continued being an amazing improviser. She's worked with the Groundlings, and currently at the Second City, she's on one of the house teams, so still going strong and uh, writing two-person shows and solo shows. I first met her when we started working at Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater. We would go on to work together for two glorious years at the Citizens of Hollywood at Disney. Uh, She is just, she has a brain that finds the weirdest things to interject in the uh, most bizarre points of view. And uh, there's no vanity about her comedy. She has no issue with appearing silly or stupid or unattractive. She just, she goes for the laugh and, and she always gets it. At least she always does when I'm in the room. So I've always been one of her biggest fans. I'm thrilled she agreed to do the show. And uh, I think we probably need to get to it, huh? This week, Michelle and I watched Season 5, Episode 21, Mother and Daughter, which had an original air date of February 22nd, 1984. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Michelle Sims. Ladies and gentlemen, zooming her way all the way <laughs> across the country from the West Coast, former East Coastian and dear, sweet, amazing, talented, funny lady, it's Michelle Sams. <laughs> she just ducked hey! out of frame and just made a swooping Auntie Moonlight entrance. <laughs> I, wish, I wish my listeners could have seen that. That was just beautiful and grand. <laughs> Hello, David. It's so great to see your face and we've already been talking and BSing and I'm like, okay, if we don't start recording the show, uh, we're going to run out of daylight and and our lives here because uh, I could catch up with you because God, I miss you, girl. I I loved 
working with you so much. That was my favorite job ever. Mm-hmm. Citizens yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, you were Mimi Kaboom, the first Mimi Kaboom. And uh, at the time, I was still holding Hollywood. Yes. The- I felt like Betty Shambles was a better match for me, but they, they didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because after you did Mimi Kaboom, you then transitioned into, you were, you were the original uh, Betty Shambles. That was a character yeah. that you created initially. Yeah. But I, I have expanded on that. Um, yes, you have. She's evolved. <laughs> my, my version. Uh, she, she's evolved into Betsy Wetness. Yes. Oh, the, the stuff you post on Instagram, just it's, ugh. I'm you trying are... to, to get better about it. Mm-hmm. I just want my, I just want my Instagram to be filled with stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is it that called you the, um, the Lenny Bruce of, of, uh, the citizens of Hollywood? Was that a Tim Williams? Maybe. <laughs> is I don't it... remember that, but I love yeah. that. <laughs> it's, Michelle, your sense of humor is so out of left field. And working with you was always like this. It was like the most amazing crapshoot that you knew would always pay off. <laughs> because oh, you gosh. Would, you'd come up with the most bizarre shit out of nowhere. Stuff that nobody would think about. <laughs> And just anyhow, cool. so, so yeah, I believe we have belabored the point that I adore you and I miss working with you at, uh, at both Disney and at Sleuths, where yeah. we first met. And yes. Uh, so much fun. But, 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 no, 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 we cannot talk about us, Michelle. We have more important things. Yes. On the docket today. We are about to discuss The Facts of Life, season the five. Facts of Life. Yes. You take them both and there you have the facts of life. Oh my God. Yes, season five, episode 21, Mother and Daughter. Original air date. Oh, and here's the thing. Original air date, February 29th, 1984. Happy Leap Day, Michelle. So the episode was written by Jerry Mayer. He is one of the original creators of the show, one of the developers. So he's been with the show from the very beginning. And uh, fun fact, I've never really looked up what he did before. He did the Facts of Life. Uh, One of his earliest credits is he wrote six episodes of Bewitched. Oh. It's like, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, other stuff in between. And not much after Facts of Life. And uh, Mm. I assume it's because he might have been of a certain age, he might have retired, and as a producer, he made his money off of 201 episodes of of a show (laughs) for which they did not pay their actors any residuals. The producers got all the fucking money. (gasps) Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. Yep. And the episode... (laughs) 
that burn. <laughs> that burns. Yeah, oh yeah, it's that terrible. burns deep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I I hear you. That's yeah. Um, and the episode was directed by Norman Cohen. Norman Cohen is not the typical director. Typically, Assad Kelada is the director of the shows. So this is one of the rare anomalies of a show that Mr. Kalada did not direct. And this is only, uh, and this is one of only two credits to be found on Norman Cohen's IMDb page. We have this, and then some sort of a short that he produced in 2002, and then he disappears. Bum, bum. Uh, so bum, I don't bum, know. Bum. <laughs> I don't know where he ended up, or what else he ended up doing in his career. But just throwing that out there. Yes. So did you watch the show growing up? You're you're a bit younger than I am, but did you watch it uh, in reruns I, or anything? It not on a regular basis, but I did catch it here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and so you I, know who I, Blair I, and Joe and Tootie and Natalie are. Yeah. Fucking Blair. <laughs> oh, oh t talk, talk more. What, what is, what's going on here? Right. Okay. <laughs> so in this episode, you know, and now I want to watch more because now I'm like, is she, is she this much of a cunt all the time? <laughs> Blair is. We've had way cuntier episodes for Blair than really? this one. I guess I'm sensitive. I, I guess so, but let's let's talk I'm, about it as they as the things happen. If this is a if you have a, a Blair cunt trigger that's happening here, <laughs> then um, we have to definitely explore that as I microscopically dissect uh, this show. Uh, so um, before we begin, I like to put my guests on the spot, Michelle, and oh, ask okay. you if you would please provide a one to two sentence overall synopsis of the entire show, similar to a listing that you might find in TV Guide. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Tootie comes to terms with her relationship with her mother. There. That's it. That's genius. That's ah. perfect. Yes. You Score. win. You win. <laughs> you win all of the televisions today. Yay. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, an interesting thing because we have not met Tootie's mother before. So this is a first time uh, experience for us. And uh, let's just, let's get right into it, shall we? Going through the episode scene by scene. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Well, we start off in the store, Edna's Edibles. Not the same meaning that you find out there in Los Angeles, Michelle. Just want to make sure you're clear <laughs> on that. So uh, we have, you know how typically at the beginning of a sitcom, the, the typical structure is some type of an interaction or a joke happens that's kind of extraneous or maybe introduces something, but then it's a few lines into the show before someone actually presents the story of the episode. Yes. And this is not one of those shows. No. <laughs> and um, I do obsessively, Michelle, in addition to synopsizing, I also obsessively compare the full-length version on the DVDs with the syndication version, which is what is found online which is okay. what you watch. So I'll let you know where stuff is missing. But um, I thought to myself when I watched it, I'm watching the DVDs and it jumps right in. And I thought, oh, wow. If I were watching the syndicated version, I would have thought, well, they had to have cut something. And they didn't. It jumps right in. Mrs. Garrett <laughs> and Natalie are there. And it's, uh, 
Any word from Natalie? No, she's still at school, but she's going to be coming back anytime. And she's waiting for that call from the Peekskill Playhouse, and she has me with strict instructions to take the call. Well, yeah, she is busy because her mother's in town lecturing at Langley College. Wow, she must be so proud of her. <laughs> I mean, am I lying? No, it's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah, take it, it easy. Yeah, it's just this... <laughs> it's Keep it simple. Keep it yeah. simple. They just boom, start rattling this shit off to very quickly establish, okay, Tootie's waiting on a call from the Peekskill Playhouse and Tootie's mother is in town and she's in town because she is lecturing on law at Langley. Uh, I, I think we know that both of Tootie's parents are lawyers. We've met her dad, we met Tootie's dad in season one, and he never appears during the series again, but that doesn't contradict anything we've heard otherwise on the series before. Um, so then, uh, shortly after we get all of this information dump from Mrs. Garrett and Natalie, in come Blair and Joe and Diane Ramsey, Tootie's mother. And they call her Diane multiple times through the episode. So then, Michelle, do we understand or know, or can we explain the mystery of why in the end credits, she is credited as Pauline Ramsey? What? She is? Did you notice that? that? <laughs> I'm too busy looking for the casting director like it matters now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, it was 40 years ago. Fuck it. They might still be it. I might, she I need might still have some sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I did not catch that. Now, wow. We've had this happen before where the TV guide listing contradicts the show. There was the episode that Zsa Zsa Gabor guest starred on, and her character's name was <laughs> Countess Calve. Yet in the TV guide listing, she's listed as Duchess Dupree. Uh, that's the only other time I can think of, but it's like, okay, you edited the show and I just made Michelle snarf. She took a drink and now she's trying not to shoot it. <laughs> Wait, what was that name again? What? Dupree? Duchess, Duchess Dupree. Duchess Dupree. <laughs> that sounds like a character you would make up. That needs to be in your Instagram feed. It's going in my book. <laughs> do it. Do it. Steal it. Oh, Absolutely. No one Duchess will ever know. Dupree. Duchess Dupree. Uh, so, yes. So, the, but the weird thing is, it's like the credits are post production. So, you've edited the show and now you're doing the credit roll. It's like, did, did you not watch the show? How did that happen? Oh, my or, God. It, yeah. It's that the names don't match. I thought that was, that was curious. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, Duchess Dupre. Maybe she's a murder mystery, like in like an Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Just throwing it out there because I love I like collaborating it. with you. I like um, it. So 2D's mother is played by actress Chip Fields. And uh, Chip Fields, you might notice her last name is Fields, just like Kim Fields is the actress who plays 2D. That is because Chip Fields is Kim Fields' mother in real life. Okay. I, I, yeah, I could totally see that. Mm -hmm. And um, Chip Fields did, I mean, she has uh, several acting credits that come up to this day. She's uh, still with us. Kim Fields still posts pictures of her on her Instagram, as a matter of fact. 
Chip, I feel like Chip had a birthday within the last month or so. Uh, so, but Laverne Fields is her birth name. She was born Laverne. Chip is her uh, nickname that she used as her professional name. She started as a singer. In the early 70s, she was one of the Ronettes. Oh! I, I assume not one awesome. of the originals, but as one of the well, replacement right. Ronettes. <laughs> yeah. By the early 70s, they were just rotating them in and out. Uh, but yeah, then she moved into acting. She played a secretary on the Amazing Spider-Man TV series, the one starring Nicholas Hammond. Anybody? The wonderful Nicholas? Anybody? <laughs> Do you know who Nicholas Hammond is? Arnie, <laughs> Arnie would know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Your husband, Arnie, would know because Arnie is a super nerd like me. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say a movie that will surprise you when I say Nicholas Hammond, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really? The movie that Leo DiCaprio is shooting, the director is Nicholas Hammond, the guy with the sort of spiked up oh, hair and the yes. aviator glasses. He was Spider-Man in the 70s, and he was Friedrich, the oldest son in The Sound of Music with Julie Andrews. Wow. So, yeah. And, and another notable role that Chip Fields played was uh, Penny's abusive mother on Good Times. Remember, Penny was Janet <gasps> Jackson? Yes. And Walona took Penny in and adopted her while her bio mom was this abusive bitch. That was Chip Fields, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Yep. And another of the many Cabillion fun facts, she would go on to play Kim Fields' mother also on Living Single. Oh. The, the next sitcom that Kim Fields would do for, I think, six seasons, five or six seasons, uh, <clears throat> not only did she play Kim Fields' mother on Living Single, she, that was 12 episodes, she's also credited as a consultant on 26 of the episodes of Living Single which is interesting. Consultant is a very broad term. Yeah. That, that can, I, like, what is she consulting? It, it could just be Kim Fields went, put this, her on the payroll. She needs work. She needs to make her weeks to get her health insurance. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It, maybe. It could be. But uh, the name of the character of Kim Fields' mother on Living Single, Laverne. Chip Fields' birth name. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. It's fascinating. Yes. So uh, not only is she her mother, you assume when you have a child actor, she's also like a manager, agent, and, and, and clearly yeah. a consultant. And I would also put forth, based upon this episode of The Facts of Life, Michelle, that she is also her daughter's acting coach. Do you agree? I could see that. Mm -hmm. I can sit. That's, I mean, the second half of the episode is <laughs> them getting into some scene work and yeah. really chewing it up. We've been having some issues with Kim Fields lately in analyzing her performances. The, the better part of this season, she's been really leaning toward uh, what I like to call the Mackenzie Phillips school of acting, where <laughs> okay. everything is shouted Yes. There, it's, there's so much, it's such a bigger performance that would be appropriate on a stage. Yet you look at it thinking, this isn't, this is a little bit too big for television. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she starts at a 10. She's got nowhere to go. Yeah. 
And, you know? and we've been saying that about Kim Fields for a few weeks now. And uh, no diss to her and her talent. It's n there's no question she's, she's a good actress and a talented actress. It's just uh, there's some weird stuff going on here as she develops as an artist. But then you see the way Chip is and how Chip very quickly starts at like a seven and then goes to 11. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That apple didn't fall far from that tree. Totally. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> it started up here and it never left from up here. <laughs> Everybody's yelling. <laughs> well, of course, how did the lecture go, Diane slash Pauline, whatever the fuck your name is? How did this lecture at Langley on law go? And they're like, it was <laughs> lusciously lumpdeliacious. Um, but actually the word is a triumph. So this, this was the lecture to end all lectures. And uh, they start talking about going to law school and being a lawyer. And uh, Mrs. Garrett is like, let's go into the living room because no one ever needs to be minding the store. They're a business, but everybody can just ignore the, the front door of the store. I ask that all the time. Sure. Uh -huh. minding the store. Um, but as they're talking about it, Joe starts showing some interest for maybe being a lawyer. And mm -hmm. uh, Diane does say, you might want to give it some thought. You would make a good lawyer. And she says, okay, maybe. And uh, so file that away. Just, it was, it was, it was, really? Yeah. And then Blair said, really? <laughs> like a cunt. <laughs> but that's part of their banter. That's their thing. Blair and Joe oh. dig at each other. And uh, okay, well, let's keep it going. Let's keep finding these I'm on, moments I'm, here. I'm on, I'm on Joe's side. You're, hashtag team Joe. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. It's fine. And Diane says, well, think of it as getting things accomplished without using force, being a lawyer. And Joe is like, yeah, but you got to admit, sometimes force is pretty, pretty successful. And that's where Blair comes in like, oh, she wants to go to the Chuck Norris School of Law. <laughs> Another yeah. Blair dig. I guess maybe you're right. Maybe there are a lot of, ex ex there's a lot of Blair digs in this. There's so many, so yeah. many. And I'm like, leave her alone, man. Yeah. <laughs> So then uh, Diane does a little bit of a demonstration by doing like a, it's like a, a, a conflict resolution thing between Blair and Joe over Blair using the bathroom too much. And it comes out pretty successful and that continues to pique Joe's interest. Uh, and then at the end of it, when the ruling comes down in Joe's favor, not Blair's, Blair screams, I object, and Mrs. Garrett comedically casting herself in the role of the judge, says, overruled, next case. <laughs> so Joe wins that. And then Blair turns to Joe and says, my lawyer will call your lawyer. Did you notice that? Did you notice a yes. little dialect issue there with, uh, with Blair? Yeah. What, what's her story? Well, well, the thing is that Blair is supposed to be from New York. She's from the Northeast and they're in New York and pretty much everywhere in the country other than the South says lawyer, loy like rhymes with boy. Um, yeah. But in the South, Lisa Welchel being from Texas 
They say lawyer. Lawyer. Like my lawyer practices law. The two words are pronounced the same. Lawyer. Lawyer. My and lawyer. so, Jenny, so, <laughs> you, you will call my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like a Forrest Gump. <laughs> You've got to call my lawyer. <laughs> Jenny, I uh, want full custody. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be hearing from my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> the floor in the Ralphs was slippery. <laughs> I fell. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm flushing. I'm getting this I'm getting hot like, flashes. Um, yeah, I need to get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless. That is Texan Lisa Welchel all over. That is not New York socialite Blair Warner who says the word lawyer. Just pointing that out there. Um but Blair has other things going on. She's got bigger fish to fry than this dispute over the bathroom. She needs a costume for a party at Sigma Chi, one of the sororities at Langley College. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. Michelle, what, what is the theme of the party? Do you remember? Punk. Mm-hmm. And so mm -hmm. because it's a punk party, she says, I need to find some old disgusting clothes. Joe? Joe? Oh, big laugh. Gotta say, comedically, yes. But yeah, that's another dig. I can't. It. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I think because like, I just relate to Joe in that like, growing up, I was always the tomboy, mm -hmm. and I got poked fun at a lot. So I'm oh. like, really sensitive about it. Oh, okay. So well, I'm like, leave her alone. So she doesn't want to wear makeup. So what? So she doesn't want to. So she dress wants to girly. lick a cooter or two. Go right, right. ahead. Let her be. Let's, let, <laughs> let it go. Let let the lesbian live for crying out loud. <laughs> um. So then, as they go upstairs, Joe starts going into lawyer mode, negotiating why Blair should pay her if she wants to use her clothes. And Joe goes into, well, it, we can agree that it would cost you money to buy stuff at a store. And we can also agree. So Joe is latching onto this lawyer, lawyer thing. Hear how I said that. Um, and uh, that's good. That's going to come back through the episode and I am not mad at it. Um, but I just want to put a little, put a little pin in that. It's a punk party. So I need some old disgusting clothes. Yeah. Put a pin in that, please, put ladies and gentlemen. Put a pin in it. A pin has been put. Uh-huh. So then in comes Tootie. It is wintertime, so she is wearing a coat over her Eastland uniform. Uh, everything is, uh, everything is, you know, mother's like, how was school? Everything's okay. And he calls. And the mother's like, Tootie, you missed my lecture. I was hoping you'd be able to make it there. And Tootie's like, yeah, sorry, I couldn't make it. I had to you know, file my nails or something. But before we have a chance to sort of delve a little deeper into, oh, Tootie didn't go to her mother's lecture. Uh, ding dong, in comes Kelly. It's like, God, I hate her so much. <laughs> when she joined the show, she was a little hoodlum. She vandalized the store. She threatened to throw a jar through a window. She dropped a jar on the floor, threatened Blair and stole money from her. And now she's a member of the family. No, fuck you, you little bitch. 
get out of my show. <laughs> I, I have feelings about things. And you express them. That's healthy. <laughs> that's right. It is, isn't it's it? good. <laughs> so Kelly is there because she's got to get with Natalie regarding a, a toilet paper, a TPing party that they've got going on that night. And uh, Kelly does say when she is introduced to uh, Tootie's mom, uh, I used to shoplift here, but now I'm rehabilitated. Um, I'll put that in one, that, that's one little itty bitty thing where I was like, okay, at least they addressed it. I don't like it still, but at least they addressed the fact that uh, her uh, arrival at the show was a rocky one at best. Mm -hmm. But they are uh, mentioning other factors of the show. This is a revenge TPing. They're TPing a statue uh, for revenge against Stone Military Academy for beating Bates Academy at basketball. Those are two schools. Uh, where we have visited and uh, been to, and the girls do discuss. Those are, those are canon. They are a part of the Facts of Life cinematic universe. So they're in, they're in the show Bible. Yes, something we have speculated many times. We're not sure if it exists, uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and uh, Tootie's mother is just laughing. Oh, they're TPing. <laughs> it's just a little biodegradable fun. That's a. <laughs> comment that she that's going to come back and bite her in the ass so they try to plan for a dinner she wants to take them out for lobster i mean you know mom is a high roller here and she's she's a big lawyer lecturing she's got some fucking money so she wants to take everyone out for lobster no one needs to mind the store it takes care of itself but Tootie's like, no, I have a paper due. No, I can't. Yeah, I know, Mom, you're just in town for like two days, but I just can't spend time with you. Sorry. It's like, really? Uh, but then the phone rings, and it's the Peekskill Playhouse. <gasps> and Tootie answers the phone, and Natalie's like, ah, don't make him think you're too desperate. Uh, okay, wait, just a moment. Uh, she gets one on. One more then, ring. Yeah, one more ring. And then she gets <laughs> on the phone, and it's clearly not good news. And Mrs. Garrett puts her arms around her, and she hangs up the phone, dejected. And so the mother asks, what's that about? And Tootie had auditioned for the summer workshop at the Peekskill Playhouse, which is a fictional place. I did look it up. It does not exist, and I don't think it did at the time. She was going to be spending her whole summer there for two months, like doing a sort of, um, she called it a summer workshop. It almost sounded more like an internship yeah. sort of a deal. And, and I wanna, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I want to go. Yeah, Michelle's like, uh, how did she apply for that again? Who, who do you... What is this program? What do you need to do? <laughs> the program. And, and her mother's like, oh, sweetie, I know you're disappointed. And it'll probably happen again. I wish you'd try out for things that'll make you happy. And Tootie's like, <laughs> bitch, acting does make me happy. And one of the few things this show has done right is established that Tootie wants to be an actress and kept it as a consistent through line for her character over the last five years. So um, it's like, no, no, no. We know that this is Tootie. Like this, it's like, how do you not know that this is really her thing? And um, so we... <sighs> She's like, oh, well, let's get ready and go out. You know, we'll come out for lobster with us. And Tootie says, no, I'm too upset for dinner tonight. So I'm going to walk over to the fireplace and turn my back to the room. <laughs> Sitcom, blocking, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> but I'm right. 
Do I lie, You're Michelle? You're totally right. Why would you ever turn your back? They, Why they, ever? Oh. Yeah, it's camera blocking. I mean, it happens all oh. the time in sitcoms, but it just looks so artificial and so yeah. theatrical. But, ugh. So Tootie says, I feel like being alone. So the mother says, okay, fine. Well, how about we have breakfast tomorrow before the seminar that I'm also lecturing at or whatever. Um, and uh, Mrs. G says, and feel free to join me, Michelle, anytime if you are inspired to do a bad mm -hmm. Mrs. Garrett impression with me. But Mrs. Garrett says, next year, next year. Try, try harder and <laughs> knock their socks off. <laughs> And Tootie's mother has left at this point. So she's like, oh, thank you, Mrs. Garrett. Thank you for the support. Why the fuck didn't my mother say that? And so Tootie ends up going on a little bit of a, um, a, a little bit of a tantrum about my mother uh, is, my mother never gives me any support. She's glad that I failed, was cut from syndication. Yeah, oh. they, they cut her saying, she's glad that I failed. And Mrs. Garrett says, Tootie, you're wrong. And then she says, she doesn't know what's best about me. She doesn't know the first thing about me. And Natalie is like, Tootie, you have a great mother. What the fuck are you talking about? And Tootie just says, you like her so much, you can have her. And then they run off. And uh, before we go to commercial, we have what I like to call the Thornton Wilder moments, where the characters are just left there to react in silence as we wait for the slow, <laughs> agonizing fade. <laughs> Thankfully, the syndication version, Michelle, spares us that awful experience. But uh, when you watch the full-length version on the DVDs, Tootie runs up the stairs, and we are left with Mrs. Garrett and Natalie with just the, <sighs> well, fuck. I mean, uh, mm. Whew, that was, wow. Yeah. Ugh. Man, I. Mm. Uh... Oh, oh. Yikes. And then we fade out. <laughs> it's like somebody call cut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They like to give a little bumper. You know, yeah. A little bumper, a little breathing room. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly they're thinking well, when we syndicate this and want to eliminate portions of the show to include room for more commercials. We can cut five minutes right here. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fuck, fuck, dude. I mean, God yikes. damn. Wow. We. Schnikes. Ooh, mama. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michelle... <laughs> Made my butthole pocket. <laughs> I'm gonna do what I do every week with my uh, with my guests, and I like to during the commercial break do a little getting to know you section. And um, already, I think people are getting a sense of the the little little thread of crazy that is woven through uh, your sense of humor. And this, this child who appeared at Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater one night, the instantaneous, I was like, I am in love with this girl. I am whatever train she is driving, I am on board. <laughs> and 
what would follow all the particularly sleuths because we had so many we, we had such wide berth to make our characters our own and really experiment and do crazy stuff so the stuff we did at sleuths and then to get to you know kind of move into the the big time together a little bit doing citizens mm -hmm. of hollywood at disney it's just oh my god i i miss you and i miss performing with you so goddamn much but Michelle, leave mm. us turn back the clock and let me ask you, yes. where were you born? Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore with Tracy yeah. Turnblad and Corny Collins. That's right. <laughs> did you get crabs there? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, boy, did I. <laughs> and is that where you were also uh, reared and brought it up? No, we actually left there by the time I was one. Oh. Uh, we lived in Jacksonville, Florida for like a year. And then we moved to Sarasota, which is pretty much where I went to school. Um, and that's on the west coast of Florida? Yeah. Quite a bit south of like four to four hours-ish from Orlando? Uh, not even. It's maybe two hours, I think. Is it? Oh, I'm thinking of Naples. I always mix up. Oh, yeah. Naples is farther down the coast, but yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, where did you study or how did you first get into performing before you uh, broke into the Orlando uh, theatrical scene? Uh, I started, uh, I started taking classes at Artsake with Yvonne Suhor. Okay, that's here in Orlando. Yeah, and uh, uh, studied there for gosh on and off for like five years maybe mm -hmm. they're still um, around too i think Arts yeah they're sake. still yeah yeah, yeah they're still, still going like, yeah. i i think they're in the same location even maybe mm -hmm. yeah um but uh yeah i started doing that and uh i started performing at titanic the exhibition oh yes, yes as a indeed. tour guide they mm -hmm. are still there, yes, in yeah. a slightly different form, not quite the way yeah. you did the job back in the day, but oh yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started doing that, and then it was Sleuths, and then Universal, mm -hmm. Disney. You, at the time, were with your then-future husband, the incredibly talented Mr. Arnie Ellis. Yes. And you guys had already been talking about moving out west and pursuing more because you had done you'd done a bit of uh film and tv down here too you have a yes. you have a reel of work from here see si. yes. yes yes i did uh burn notice and the glades um so so when was it that you guys moved out to the california los angeles uh 2013 <sighs> June 17th was the day we landed. <laughs> <laughs> and what is going through your head at that point? Because you had, I mean, you know, you're going to be pounding the pavement and going to oh, auditions. And was it scary? Was it like... Oh, it's very scary. And it's like, you don't know what it's really going to be like. You know, you can talk to so many people and ask some questions, you know, what did you wish you knew when you moved out here? Oh yeah. Stuff like that. Um, but it's something that's really hard to prepare for because you instantly feel 50% more self-conscious because everybody here is beautiful 
Yeah. And, and everybody and works in the industry too. From what I hear, it's yeah. You, you meet you meet so few people that aren't somehow in the biz or trying to get into the biz. Yeah. Like everybody that I work with at the dispensary, like they well, everybody's uh, uh, what excuse uh, oh. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. It's legal out there. That's right. It's legal. It's totally legal. I it said paid, that earlier and already forgot. <laughs> it paid my bills. It pays my bills. Mm -hmm. Um but uh yeah, like everybody I work with is like there's mostly musicians that I work with and like mm -hmm. some actors and some writers and a couple of editors. Like everybody is involved. And yeah. the thing is, it's like in in Los Angeles, there is a high ratio of assholes to cool people. Oh yeah, you hear, yeah. You <sighs> see it all the time, and especially like working in in the service industry, you're gonna see it. There's a lot of entitlement and like, but then like the, when you meet somebody that's cool, like they are really fucking cool. So you you take Los Angeles by storm. <laughs> and you worked with you you worked with both uh groundlings and second city haven't you yes yes i did i did groundlings for the first uh about three years we were out here mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> i i will say this the training that i got in the improv levels mm -hmm. was amazing and i highly recommend it to anybody that wants to study improv in particular character based improv. Mm -hmm. But when you get into the writing lab, it's high stakes. They're grooming you for stage. People may not be your friend, <laughs> oh. that, but when you get to that level and the teachers can be very harsh. So it's like it, you know, and, and that was my experience. Somebody else may have, had like a totally amazing 100% supportive experience but um so talk about uh second city which is which seems to me looking at your social medias that it's uh definitely be become more of an artistic home for you yeah yeah it's uh going there after groundling like two weeks after groundlings i went there so i was like really down in it I was wallowing and I didn't get invited into the next level, blah, blah, blah. Woe is me. And I went to Second City and my first teacher, uh, who's now a good friend of mine, Eileen Monteleone, and she, she immediately was so supportive and mm. like she actually cared. Yeah. And she wasn't so abrasive and... It was just what I needed. And, and then I finished the conservatory at Second City. I'm on a, a house team so far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't know what it's going to look like when it all comes back. But yeah, um, that's it's yeah, a sign of a thing. We're all going through it. And yeah, and that whole thing. Now, what was the um, wasn't there a series of shows you were doing with like a, a comedy partner? Another, another yes, gal? I did as my friend Ali Picard and I um, were, we're on the house sketch team together. And uh, yeah, we we wrote a duo show. I feel like I'm finally realizing my potential. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, fucking a, that's awesome. I feel like I f- I'm finally getting started. You know. Yeah. So On now this it- lifelong journey of discovery <laughs> that all of us artists have to do. We're like, could could I hit a finish line, please? Could I know that I'm right. there? And could I just know that I'm there and I'm ready and I can fucking do it? And ugh. Yeah. Oh, the torment of creativity. <laughs> and did you also, didn't you also do a show with Arnie, with, with, with your hubs? Yeah, we were, we were still doing it uh, when, when the pandemic started. In, in um, the before times. In the before times. Yeah. Uh, we were doing a show called That's the End of Our Time. <laughs> Whoa! And it well prophetic there, kids. <laughs> right? Whoa! Oh. It, it's a it's a story about a therapist going through an awful divorce, but he becomes the therapist to the Tooth Fairy, a Leprechaun, <laughs> and Santa Claus, oh and the God. Easter Bunny. Um, but he was Santa Claus, and I was the Leprechaun. Wow. And I don't know if we're going to do it again when it comes oh. back. <laughs> oh. Oh. Come to Orlando. Come to Orlando and do it here. You have- I want to do a fringe in Orlando again so bad. I want to do my solo show or do a duet show with Arnie. Oh my God, you guys should. Like, it would be so awesome to get to see I, you perform again. I miss you guys a lot. Yeah. Orlando community really is special. Yeah. I hope I get to see you again soon. I hope a, a trip, I would love to take another trip to Los Angeles and visit yeah. some people out there. So I'd love to see your face then. And That'd be I'm so fun. happy to see your face on our little Zoom box right now. Yeah. And uh, best of luck to all performers and artists, particularly in, uh, in cities like LA and New York where it's it's hitting you folks hard the the pandemic but michelle enough <laughs> about you yeah we need to get back to the facts of life we've got Learning important em. shit that's right <laughs> so we start back from commercial with a little uh, scenelet that is cut from syndication and what it is is it's just more reinforcement about joe maybe following this lawyer track So Mrs. Garrett is complaining about she's gotten a bill from a magazine company that started sending her this magazine that she never even ordered and did not want. And it's called Trampoline World Magazine. (laughs) And when you start the word trampoline in 1984, you really hope it's just like, you know, Tramp Magazine or something, but sadly it wasn't. But um, Joe says that she's been reading some book on law that Tootie's mother had given her. So Joe suggests some legalese thing for Mrs. Garrett to write them a letter and they have no recourse if you didn't order it and blah, blah, blah. And Mrs. Garrett is impressed. And Joe even says, this is a great profession for me. Where else can you get paid so much money just to threaten people? Great line. And in my opinion, was a great uh, seed that they've planted and then they did nothing to nurture and water it and I think it could have been a really great thing. It's a, it's a file it under missed opportunities. They made a promise that they didn't keep. Yeah. Ugh, it's it's uh, too bad. 
Natalie wants to be an actress, Natalie wants to be a writer, and we learn that that is what they end up doing with their lives. It's Blair and Joe who kind of, uh, it's, it's fuzzy what they're yeah. searching for and trying to figure out before the show, the series ends. Anyway, I'm, I could go I'm on forever. So then uh, that scene is cut from syndication. In syndication, we start back from commercial at this stage of the show when Blair appears in her punk outfit. Um, Blair's punk outfit. Can you help me describe this? Uh, red and black, baggy, slashed yeah. and torn. Yeah, cuts the slashes, the slices and cuts. Not unlike uh, the movie star from two or three weeks ago when we had a movie star going to Langley. That was one of her things. So it was, yeah, all the cuts and the clothes. It might've been one of her hand-me-downs. Um, side ponytail. Yes. Uh, she's got like these uh, metallic, like leather bracelet bands that have the spikes on them. Yeah. Uh, really uh, triangular yeah. sunglasses yeah metallic angular very 80s sunglasses very yeah. stylish and like a um like a belt strap over her shoulder with like grommets in it like studs yeah. so you've got this sort of you know the the leather and the spike and the hard edge uh thing you know for a punk party for what someone should wear to a punk party that isn't doesn't really dress like that it's it's a reasonable facsimile it it works mm -hmm. it's it's kind of 80s fabulous but yeah the problem in this episode and i think we we already put a pin in this earlier is blair comes down and says what do you think and joe says i think you should hand wash meaning your clothes are falling apart they're all shredded they've come apart because you didn't wash yeah. them correctly um talks about she took her designer clothes and repurposed them and mrs garrett says i thought you were going to go to that uh secondhand store that thrift store and blair says funny blair moment oh secondhand rose yeah i was going to go there until i found out they were selling clothes that other people had already worn <laughs> it's like, oh blair you rich bitch Oh, she's so sheltered. <laughs> <laughs> but then let me let me finish this little loop here where mm -hmm. uh, the others do show up and their paths cross before Blair leaves. And Natalie says, walks in and says, hey guys, Blair, you're gross. And it's a laugh line. It's like, okay, clearly Jerry Mayer, who wrote this, who is not a young man, He's he's mistaking the punk look for grunge, which wasn't a thing yet. But punk look was not dirty, disheveled, worn out, torn clothing like hobo camp clothing. It's like, is that a, is that a good? Can I not say that? Like homeless people clothing. It's <laughs> you know. I'm just like, there's clearly a disconnect here with what, because I'm like, you could have gone further with the punk and had really, you know, spiky hair and tons of safety pins and, you know, fake jewelry on the, um, on the face and black eyeliner. Like, you know, punk was actually a very cultivated look that a lot of time and effort went into. Yeah. 
right? Am and I it, am I remember? I'm, and you, again, you no, it's around. it's like that. I mean, it, it wasn't. They clearly would take time to get ready. Yeah, like and it wasn't just a a thoughtless thing. Like they they care what they look like. They yeah. want to look a certain way. There's a lot of detail in that. Yeah, there was definitely some assembly required. Really, this is a person that's like, ah, there were these punks down the street throwing a ball in an alleyway and they started giving me some lip. And, you know, <laughs> the, the idea that, you know, punk as in punk rock look is not the same as a street punk from the 1930s right. Depression era Brooklyn. Uh, so an urchin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, 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 what, what would Paz, Pat Oswalt say? A Dickensian street urchin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so that's just, we have to stop on this or I'm going to keep going with this. But this is one of those where clearly a not very cool show written by not very cool people is trying to... Uh, trying to click into a cool trend of the time and failing miserably. Other than Blair's look, the look itself, it's like mm -hmm. the costume designer got it as well. She fucking should have if she's a costume designer. But it's like the, the rest of it, the writing is not supporting mm -mm. Uh, the what, what truly punk was in the 80s. And I know because sadly I'm old enough that I was there. Too young to be <laughs> punk, but old enough to be there. So, so, so this episode was leap year of 84. 84, yeah. So I was seven. Mm -hmm. If you're comfortable divulging your age, then yeah. Oh, yeah. I I'm was... 43. I am 43-year-old woman. shit, you're old. Um, <laughs> I just turned 52. So in 19... Uh, 84, I was 15 going on, going on 16. I know <laughs> that I'm naive. <laughs> so mom comes in, ding dong, in comes Diane again. And uh, oh. Tootie's not around. Tootie didn't meet her for breakfast. Tootie's still avoiding her. And as Natalie and uh, what's her face, the little bitch, Kelly come in, post TP mm -hmm. party, they let it slip that Tootie and Jeff were there. Da -dum. Da -dum. So she's like, whoa, whoa, she lied to me. She said she had to be at the library studying or something. <gasps> and when Jeff is brought up, she's like, oh, who's Jeff? One of her, she says, one of her boyfriends. And they're like, no, he's the boyfriend. And again, show Bible moment. Yes, that is true. Tootie has been dating Jeff steadily of Jeff is absolutely, that's a good, that's a writing win. And uh, Diane is like, I've never even heard of a Jeff, let alone that he's her steady, he's an exclusive boyfriend. And uh, yeah, um, another Blair cunt moment for you, Michelle. <laughs> she does say, Joe, are you going to come to the party with me? And Joe says, I'm not dressing up like some freak. And Blair says, you don't have to. You don't to. have to. Yeah. <laughs> that bitch. Is that, is that your, your cunty voice? That's your... You don't have to. <laughs> I'm Blair. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just observing the face that I make. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. You're, who's a pretty girl? 
You don't have to. <laughs> so, on that note, Blair and Joe leave the episode forever. So, um, Mrs. Garrett, uh, so, so, so Tootie excuses herself to go upstairs after her mother says, uh, you were out TPing with the others and you lied to me. That's vandalism. And Tootie's like, oh, really? Well, yesterday you called it biodegradable fun. Booyah, Burn. bitch. Burn. Suck it, mom. And uh, so then Tootie's like, well, uh, can I please go upstairs and study now? Bye. Like, <laughs> try to tell me I can't go study. So she goes. And then um, we have a scene that is cut from syndication that's kind of an important scene where it's Mrs. Garrett and Diane. And it's Diane saying, I don't know how to talk to her. And Mrs. Garrett's like, yeah, that was pretty fast. I was under the impression you were gonna read her the riot act. And, and she's like, well, we talked about vandalism and she admitted it was wrong. And then, uh, yeah, that was it. And Mrs. Garrett says, well, what about her lying to you and not telling you about Jeff? And she's like, well, we didn't get to that. I don't like to argue with my daughter. And Mrs. Garrett says, Mrs. Garrett wisdom, sometimes making waves is the only way to get to the bottom of things. <laughs> and. Well, that's an important scene. You're right. You're right. And she does say, we have so little time together. I just want it to be quality time. And that was a very new term in the 80s, having quality time with your children. We, it's uh -huh. very common. That was a very new thing in the 80s. And um, uh, so Mrs. Garrett even says, quality time? She goes, you know, I don't even know what that means. And, and Diane's kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know either. And um, there's a very weird Mrs. Garrett moment where <laughs> she talks about, you know, when my son Raymond would come home from school and I would ask him, how was your day? All I got was fine and good until he started getting into trouble. And so Diane says, well, what did you do? And Mrs. Garrett says, I learned to ask better questions. <laughs> and she wasn't mad at Diane. But it was one of those moments where Charlotte Ray pushes what she says to emphasize it. And she, and here's the thing, she's not wrong. She's like, that's true. As a parent, you gotta learn to ask better questions. And um, she ends up saying, Diane, you're not trying to settle something out of court. You're trying to get to know your daughter. Go talk to her. And, and again, she's shouting while she's doing it. But, um, I love that what's the, the overarching meaning of this scene, the way it would be said today is, uh, if you're a parent, you're going to have to have uncomfortable conversations. And the sooner you get to it, the sooner you're going to get used to it and accept that it's just something you got to fucking do, especially with a teenager. Jesus. Yeah. So Mrs. Garrett kind of fortifies her and is like, you know, get, like, pushes her and says, get back in the ring, honey. This fight is not over. And uh, I'm sad it had to go because it is a good Mrs. Garrett scene. And it is nice that she doesn't just fucking rule these girls. She helps their parents be better parents to the girls. She is a goddess. <laughs> Bow down. <laughs> To the deity. <laughs> so I 
tried to synopsize the next scene, which is Tootie up in the bedroom and Diane comes in and they talk back and forth and they have confrontation and uh, you don't listen to me, you don't know what's important to me and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's literally just a scene where they go back and forth and then they come to a moment of understanding with, with some good kind of groundwork and ground rules being laid. Like, you're gonna tell me more about what's going on. And Tootie's saying, even the stuff you don't wanna hear. Mm -hmm. And she kind of steals herself and says, especially the stuff that I don't want to hear. And it's a good scene, except we have the weirdest moment in the middle of it, where they try to build up this argument. And from a writing standpoint, I totally get what he's trying to do, is he wanted it to bubble up to a boiling point and then have something pop the balloon uh -huh. and give it a moment of, uh, let the air out of the scene to give us a moment to relax. Unfortunately, it's done with um, uh, Tootie saying, I wanna be an actress and you're not supporting that. And she's like, why don't you be an entertainment lawyer? Instead, that's a lot steadier work. And Tootie says, you're doing it again, mom. You're telling me what to do. And Diane says, I'm your mother. I have a responsibility. I should be shouting five times louder, by the way. Yeah. This yes. is, what I'm doing is the friggin' close-up film series, uh, I'm doing a Merchant Ivory film, okay, version of this. <laughs> but, her, but, but Diane says, I'm your mother. I have a responsibility. If you tell me you want to jump off a building, I'm supposed to say yes? And Tootie says, Mom, I want to be an actress, not a stunt woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, what was that? <laughs> She's like, oh, what? what are we even <laughs> arguing about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> wiping the tears out of my eyes. What a, what, that was supposed to be the, the leap from don't tell me what to do to the parental, if other people say they want to jump off a bridge, parental trope, to being Tootie saying, I want to be an actress, not a stunt woman, that that is a moment that strikes them both as funny. Thank God the audience laughs because they're laughing, but I'm sitting at home going, what? I, I had to back it up and hear the lines again. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm watching the DVD. Nothing was cut here. Nothing's missing. This is the way they wrote it and performed it. And it's such an odd, like I said, structurally from a writing standpoint, I get it. 150%. It's a great technique. Uh, that sounds, it seems like the placeholder, like they put that there, like, we'll think of something better later. Yes. And yes. then they never went back and like, yeah. thought of like what it could really be. Yeah. It was like, ooh, A for effort, uh, a D minus for execution, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Sorry. Wah, wah. Yes. And, um, so it ends with Tootie, like I said, they lay some groundwork of that, of, of a nice mother-daughter going forward groundwork and nice parental things that I do like and I will give him his props for this. Ian says, I want you to tell me what you want me to do. And Tootie says, all right, I want you to let me make some of my own decisions. And she considers this and says, okay. And then Tootie says, but bail me out when I'm wrong. And it's like, oh, that's, that's essentially the definition of parenting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But at one point she says, um, Tootie says to her mom, 
wow, you're beginning to sound like Mrs. Garrett. And yes. her mom says, thank you. <laughs> you're beginning <laughs> to sound like my daughter. There's this <laughs> stunt woman? No. <laughs> that that joke was was funny. Remember that funny thing? We're gonna say it again to maybe hope you think Remember it's that, funny. This that forced bit. Yeah. Remember Let's, that? Maybe if if we force it harder, does that make it funny? That's that's a comedy rule, right? <laughs> For, force force the laugh twice and it will be funny the second time, maybe. Uh. So, I feel like this is kind of conversation that I uh like let's say let's say there's a 43 year old woman <laughs> okay. you know and i feel like that there's like a 43 year old woman out there that still has to have this conversation with her mother no <laughs> oh. <laughs> are, are you asking for a friend michelle that's yeah, for a, f a friend okay so yeah. you're saying that you you think you have a friend who may have uh connected with this and seen some parallels with this episode uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I don't have children. <laughs> and I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I mean, they don't have children. <laughs> either. Uh, so, this, so this friend of yours has not seen it from the other side. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, wow. Well, well, maybe your friend, show your friend this episode and maybe your friend will feel like she's, she's not alone in her, her mother yeah. driving her crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think, yeah. Okay. I think I'll share it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're at the end of the episode. Okay. And the last thing I'd like to do before I send you on your way is uh, to just to keep the nostalgia factor going. Think of a commercial from your childhood, a random TV commercial. Maybe it had a jingle or a catchphrase, anything off the top of your head. Go. By Menon. <laughs> if there was ever a person that's like, oh, men's shaving products. It's like... <laughs> Oh my God. I, there were so many commercials that ended. There's so Men many. Bye, Menon. Yeah. And some women stuff too. Why did they not call the lady deodorant? Why didn't they call that women in? Women in. Bye, women in. Yeah. That, that, that rolls off the tongue. It still works. Yeah, totally. Michelle, my love. My this dear. Has been amazing <laughs> to get to talk to you again, <laughs> to get some one on one time and get to hog you and, and all to myself. And oh, God damn, I miss seeing you. And I miss seeing you too. Spending green room time with you running around with your top off and- What? Nah. Me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's just making my heart sing to, to get mm -hmm. to experience the, the presence of, of you, even though it is only a digital representation. Oh. For sure. So, my love, let us hope that this isn't the last time we get to do this. And uh, tell your husband he's next. I'm going to be coming okay. very, very soon. Very soon. Actually. Yes. He'll be ready. <laughs> yes. All right, then. Well, sadly, our time together is at an end. So all I can say is I miss you. I love you. Smooches and goodbye. 
And there you have it. That was Michelle Sims. God, she is just... Oh, I love that girl so much. I want to gobble her up. Anyway, next week I'm going to be watching Season 5, Episode 22, All By Herself. Sadly, that is the final appearance of Jerry Jewell, Cousin Jerry, on the Facts of Life series, so... I'm not looking forward to it. I'm a little sad already, and I haven't even done it yet. But if you wish to watch it ahead of time, you can watch the episode for free at dailymotion.com. I'll post the link in the show notes, and you can also find it at this episode's webpage. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>